Prayer is our connection with God, a time to bring forth our hurts, our worries, and our praises, a time to be in the presence of Jesus. This month, we at A Significant Life want to help lead you into a focused time with our Father. Uniting together in prayer, we pray for transformations that only the Holy Spirit can bring. When you sign up at asignificantprayerlife.com, we'll send you prayer points and sample prayers to help guide your words and deepen your prayer life. Each week, there will be a new focus. Let's ask God for a renewal of the Holy Spirit in our churches and guidance amongst our governments and leadership. This October, we hope you'll join us for a significant prayer life. Let's unite in prayer and be part of what God is doing across the globe. Visit asignificantprayerlife.com to sign up today. We don't grow stronger by thinking about it, right? Or just wishing we were stronger. We don't even become stronger through doing great research and gaining all the insight needed. Strength ultimately comes from working against resistance until we become stronger than the resistance. That's true physically, emotionally, professionally, and that's true spiritually of the people who live in God's best. Let's talk about that today. Our series text uh, in this Dream Again series comes from Philippians 3, and I want to read 12b through 14. This is the Apostle Paul. He says this, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Everybody say one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on, press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So to press on, the first thing we got to understand is there is a prize at stake. Now, what does he mean that there's a prize at stake? I'm going to shoot you straight. A lot of people want to wiggle around this, but I don't feel like I'm accurately and responsibly handling the word of God unless I preach it how it really says. Watch what he says in verse 27. What's at stake? I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. That's scary. I hope you feel that that's a little bit scary. To run the whole race, cross the finish line, and then you hear the herald of the race say, disqualified. You took shortcuts. You took steroids. And Paul's saying, but you know, in our life, it's kind of the same. Like people are going to live this whole life, run this whole race, and then they're going to look at Jesus. And to some people, Jesus really is going to say, man, disqualified. There's a prize at stake. Everything that God wants to do in our life Right now, because the kingdom of God is here, the righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Spirit that he wants to reign in your home, we can be disqualified. And then again, from forever with Jesus in heaven, we can be disqualified. Now, I don't, take about, I don't talk about this lightly, but I think a lot of people do have their heart set on a temporary prize. I think some of us are living for celery, not eternity. You know what I'm saying? 
And I'm not here to sit on the judgment seat. What I do think is as believers, myself included, we should read this and say, man, what gets me up in the morning? What do I live my life for? Because so many people are set on something temporary. They're worried about wealth, power, influence, money, sex, you know, entertainment, beauty. And if that's the cry of your heart, like that's what you get up for and that's what you run for, man, the scary news is one day we might hear disqualified. Now, Paul does say this. He says, don't you realize that in a race everybody runs but only one person wins? Let me tell you what he's not saying. He's not saying only one person's gonna get to heaven. That'd be scary because it would not be me, I promise. In fact, part of the Christian life is making sure as many people get to heaven with you as you can. But what he is saying is run like the one who wins. So like I said, I can't say where people are going to spend eternity. That is way above my pay grade. I don't know. What I am saying is that this text should cause us to really seriously ask, am I running like the one who cares about eternity? Am I running with that in my heart? Because if you really know the prize at stake, then something happens naturally. That is that there is a passion that comes about. Everybody say passion. So to press on, we also understand the passion needed. Look at how passionate the Apostle Paul was. Verse 25 and 27a. He says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Therefore, or so, because of the prize, watch how he lives. He says, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. You see what he's saying? He's saying, in other words, because of the prize at stake, I live discipline. How about I say discipline? Now, here's what I've learned. Okay, in my 28 years of life, I've learned that everybody is disciplined. No, Pastor, uh huh. Mm hmm, mm hmm. Everybody's disciplined. Just let me explain. Some people are like, man, I'm just not disciplined, man. I haven't been to the gym in like six months. You're being too hard on yourself. You are disciplined. You know how I know? Because you ain't missed a Cowboys game in six seasons. You recorded it, you grilled out for it, you left social gatherings early, you watched it under the table when you were with your wife's family at lunch. Yeah, for sure. I don't know why my wife's family don't like me. <laughs> You're disciplined. You're as disciplined at what you want to be disciplined at, but everybody's disciplined. Pastor G, it's just hard for our family to make church, man, we're just not disciplined. <laughs> not. You're being too hard on yourself. You signed your kid up for that AAU league, you know, the one that took him out of every other weekend, half the weekends of the year, and you made every game, even the ones not in Texas. You're disciplined. Two in your kitchen, dial it back. Sorry. You're just disciplined in what you want to be disciplined at, and I'm too. I'm preaching to myself. I saw this dude at the gym, jacked. I mean, like, Ugh. and he was like, hey, pastor. And I was like, I mean, <laughs> he goes to Parkway. Hey, hey, pastor. And I was like, yes, sir. He was like, man, I just, 
I really struggle to read my Bible and pray. I just don't have time. Now, I didn't say this because, like, homie could have eaten me. But <laughs> he said, I said, in my head, I, th I thought, like, if I had to guess, you're probably at the gym, I don't know, six days a week, two hours a day. You don't have a time or a discipline problem. You might have a priority problem. But it's not a time or discipline. I didn't say that, though, because my legs were coming out his shoulders. I wasn't trying to go there. <laughs> it scared me. Now, hear me out. Hear me out. Because I don't want anybody to take what I'm saying the wrong way. Is there anything wrong with AAU, with the gym, with the Cowboys? Maybe the Cowboys. Hey, kidding. <laughs> Is there anything wrong with AAU, the gym, the Cowboys? Absolutely not. A hundred percent no. It's just you got to categorize things in your mind like, is this good, better, or best? You understand what I'm saying? Is it good, better, or best? And this is why Paul is talking about athletes. Because do you know how many good and better things athletes have to turn down because they're not best? Because with the goal in mind, they say, eh, it's not that it's wrong, it's just that it's not what I need to be focused on at the moment. Let me put it in perspective. If you're running a race and you got a big track meet and you really want to win, you're not going to go eat lunch at Burger Nation and go just house that bacon mac daddy that is the will of the Lord for me, okay? You're, is there anything wrong with the bacon mac daddy? Mm-mm. There's a lot right with it. It's good. I had it last week. But in light of the goal, athletes will turn down what is good and better because it is not best. Now, my fear is that sometimes we will settle into what I call the Christian minimum. And the Christian minimum doesn't ask what's good, what's better, what's best. The Christian minimum says, what's wrong with it? But that's not the answer or that's not the question. The right question isn't, what's wrong with it? The right question is, will this get me closer to the goal? Like, what's the goal? Being more like Jesus. That's the question for everything. Not what's wrong with it, but will it get me closer to the goal? And the music you listen to, don't ask what's wrong with it. I'm not just for Christian music. I played Olivia Rodrigo like three weeks ago on the stage if you were here. I'm not just for Christian music, but the right question is, will this get me closer to the goal? Like, when I'm done listening, will I be more full of love and joy and peace and stuff that Jesus would want me to be full of? The movies you watch. I'm not just for Christian movies. Quite frankly, if you're like, hey, you want to watch Face and the Giants for the sixth time? I'm like, nah, sorry. Have fun. Love you. But I don't want to go. It's not what's wrong with it, though. The right question for the movies we watch is, Will it get me closer to the goal? Maybe you watch, you know, Captain America with your son. And it's awesome. You guys have like a great bonding time together. And, and you're like, man, this was great. Good job. It got you closer to the goal of being the dad that God's calling you to be with your son. We just got to get out of this Christianity where we're like, let's do the minimum. What's wrong with it? No, 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 no. That's not the question. The question is, is this good, better, or best? Because if it's not best, I don't want to build my life around it. If it doesn't have eternal value, it's probably not best. Amen? So... You can give God praise. I, was, I never know how to do that. So here's what I'm saying. Paul, okay, he's passionate. 
And I'm going to show you that he's passionate. Let me show you another verse. I think it's verse 27. I'll try to find it uh, in my notes wherever I'm at in these things. Verse 26, he says this. So I run with purpose in every step. This is cool. He says, I'm not just shadow boxing, meaning I'm not just hitting the air. But I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Now, here's what's cool. In the Greek, that word discipline, it very literally means to blacken an eye or strike in the face. So here's the picture we get of Paul, okay? He's like, I'm not hitting the air. I'm hitting myself because the enemy's not over here. The enemy's me. I know what to do, but I don't want to do it. Then think about how many times he probably said that himself. Man, the apostle Paul, he said, I've been beaten with 39 lashes four different times. His back just torn up. He's been thrown in jail. You know how many times he probably sat on the outskirts of a city knowing he was about to go preach there and be like, man, if I don't go in there, people aren't going to know Jesus. And then he starts thinking of all the reasons he doesn't want to because your body works like this. It starts telling you like, we don't want to do that. And so it's like, no, Paul, you remember last time you went into a city, they put you in jail and you shivered in it with fever. No, Paul, we don't want to go there. You remember last time you went, they whipped you and they turned your back to jelly and it took months to heal. And he's sitting there thinking about every reason he doesn't want to. But he knows there's a prize at stake. So he gets passionate. And he starts talking to himself like, come on, Paul. You know what you need to do. You know what's really the, the, the purpose of your life. God is not asking you to take the easy route. He's asking you to keep eternity in mind and get passion in your heart. And go do what he's calling you to do. This is how Paul was functioning. You feel the... the the pregame speech of it. He's passionate. By the way, this is exactly how Jesus taught. Matthew 5, 29, he says this. He says, that's just me, there we go. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Oh Lord. And cast it from you. For it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast in hell. Then he says in verse 30, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. We'd all have no eyes and no hands. <laughs> and cast it from you. For it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast in hell. I can't even, if this was literal, I couldn't even be like, give God a hand. We'd all be like. But people in church history have taken this literally. And it's scary. It's, called, it's something called Christian asceticism. And they've, they've harmed their bodies. That's not the point. Listen, Jesus isn't talking literally here. And you know how I can prove it, okay? Let's say you lust with your right eye, like he said, and you pluck it out. You know what the problem is? She still looked good like this, too. <laughs> You're like, well... If I wouldn't have got this sucker out, I might have had a chance. <laughs> or if you steal with your right hand. Okay, you steal with your right hand. Cut it off. All right. Left one works just fine. And then if you steal with your left hand, how the heck are you going to chop it off? You only got one hand. <laughs> Jesus' point is not literally. Jesus' point is Paul's point. 
Here's the point. Get some passion and take this serious. There is a prize at stake. Live with eternity in mind. Don't act like it's some game. We're in a race and we got to run as if we are the one who really wants to win. So just do a heart check real quick. Is your heart that passionate? Do you wake up thinking like, man, I got to make sure there's more light than there is darkness today. Man, I know I'm going through a lot and I can't control it, but in what I can control, I'm bringing the love of Jesus. And what I can control, I'm checking myself. And what I can control, I'm making sure that I'm not going doing whatever I feel like, but I'm living with the prize in mind submitted to God who has my best interest at heart. That's the passion. You got to live with the passion in mind. If it's not good, better, best, it's not what we build our life on. And so how are you using your time? your treasure, your talents, to really show eternity matters most, and I'm living to back that up. So Paul's pregame speech, right? We've learned to press forward. We got to understand, first of all, the prize is at stake. Everybody say prize. It's eternal. The passion is needed. Everybody say passion. We got to prioritize what's best, but not just that. We have to understand lastly, and it's my most important point, to press on, we got to understand the power that's available. Everybody say power. See, my biggest fear, my biggest fear is that you leave here today trying to earn God's grace. That you leave here and, you know, maybe I got to you emotionally and you're like, yeah, there's a prize at stake. So I got to work and I got to earn that prize. It's, it's very dicey because I don't want you to try to work for your salvation, that's not salvation at all. Salvation's a free gift by the grace of God. We work out our salvation, but we don't work for our salvation. And if you do it that way, it's tiring. So I was praying like, God, how do you want me to end this sermon so I can like preach it how I feel it? And I hope this works. If not, we tried, okay? This is how I feel like a lot of people try to run their race. It's like this treadmill is the Christian walk. And people are sitting here and they're trying to do it by themselves. You do the Christian thing. You're on here and if I look at your life, it's like, no, I go to church. I pray, I read my Bible and we get tired because if we're being honest, we're doing it in our own strength. And if we're not careful, We'll look around and we'll try to convince ourselves of various reasons why we have to earn the grace of God. Sitting there letting the enemy slap labels on us that act like grace isn't a gift, but I got to earn it. We'll say, well, I'm on my second or third marriage. I got to prove to God I'm serious. Other people might be bad, but they're not bad, bad. I got a criminal record. You know, if they would have heard the way that I talked to my kids or, man, if you would have seen what I was watching last night and we try to work it out and God put on my heart this is how a lot of people are running their race and they're tired and you look around maybe and you see other people running and you think how come it's so easy for them how come they seem like they're just doing it without ease and here's the thing if you live life like this and you go through faith trying to do it on your own you know what's gonna happen? You might make it a month or a year or a decade, but eventually you're gonna get too tired and you're gonna quit because you were never supposed to do faith 
to get God's love. You're always supposed to do faith from knowing you are fully loved. See, I know that the Apostle Paul, he says, run your race as one who will not get disqualified. And that's sobering. But don't read Paul in a vacuum. Also read some other words he said that maybe aren't sobering, but they're empowering. Can you put Philippians up again? He says, but I press on, this is very key. I press on in order that I may lay hold of that which also I was laid hold of. What? Did I will lay hold of of that? I, I was laid hold of? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, yeah, we're here and we're running. We got to lay hold of the prize, but we only do it knowing that Christ already laid hold of us. Like, like I got to press on and get it. Why? Because God already got me. So it's not like we're striving for grace. We're striving from grace. Now, let me see if this makes sense, okay? Because when you really know, when you really know that you're a sinner in need of a savior, let me talk to the people who, who you know you're saved because it ain't nothing that has to do with you. God scraped you from the bottom of the barrel and you know it and you have no shame in it and you're like, God, you're good, okay? When you really know that it's by the grace of God that it was never in your own works and you know that God looks at you and he's not sitting there trying to judge you as if, oh, you were good enough, but one day you'll get to heaven. He's like, why should I let you in? And you're like, no, nah, you shouldn't let me in. I wasn't good enough, but Jesus was good enough. Jesus is where I place my faith. So at the end of the day, yeah, I did some good things, but they weren't to earn anything. They were just to say thank you. So when you understand that you really are in the family of God, that Christ has laid hold of something for you, but he's also laid hold of you. It's like, you know that you're, watch this, in the family of God. You don't have to question that. And so now you return to this Christian walk and you might actually start doing some of the same things you were doing already, right? I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm forgiving my enemies. And it's not like I'm super tired because I'm not doing it by my own strength anymore. I'm doing it by the grace and by the strength of God. So, so watch this. When I prayed, I felt like God was saying, there are people who have been trying to do this in their own strength for far too long. But he came and he sent me, I believe, Hope me, Jesus, to remind you that there's not just a prize at stake or a passion that's needed, but there's a power that's available to you. His name is Jesus Christ. And his message, listen to me, his message wasn't, oh, I love you, you're perfect. No, 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 no. His message was, we're sinners in need of a savior. But because I love you, I gave you a savior. It was me. And guess what Jesus did? Jesus came to run this race as a human perfectly, but he didn't run it so that we didn't have to run. He ran it so that by his power, trusting his grace, we could run and we could get into the game. And now we live this life doing a lot of what we were doing, but we do it from a different power. 
We know that we're in the family of God. We know what the apostle Paul means when he says, I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So this race that I run, this life that I live, I don't do it in my own strength. I do it by the grace of God and the faith in Jesus Christ who gave his son for me. So if you're trying to strive for grace, you'll get tired. But if you know that you're in, you know that God's got you, then you start to do stuff that you never would have been able to do in your own strength. You look over and you say, how could I forgive my enemies? Hold on, except for I know he forgave me. I'm in the family. So because of that, I can forgive him too. How, how could, how could I fill in the blank for you, right? How could I do that? Well, because I'm in the family, I can do whatever he's calling me to do. So you say, okay, how could I get through this, Pastor G? How could I get through that? It was so hard. Why'd God let me go through it? Listen, at the end of the day, you can do it, even though you got knocked down, because uh, you're in the family where the head of the family got knocked down too, and he wasn't just down for a day or two days or three days, but on the third day, he did get up, and he got up so that the resurrection power can live in you, and he got up not so that you could sit in the sidelines, but he got up so you could get up too and run. So here's my commission to you, run like your life depends on him because it does. You've been crucified with Christ and it's not you doing this in your own strength. It's him doing it through you. There is grace available to those with the humble heart. They say, God, I need you. But you gotta understand, grace is not permission to sit on the sidelines. Grace gets you in the game and starts helping you do things that you could have never done without his help. And yet, the sobering part of our sermon today that I don't want to act like isn't sobering is if it, in your life, if it's not spinning and it's not working, Paul would say, man, I urge you to make sure that it's really plugged in. I urge you to make sure that it's really plugged in. What do I mean? Does your life just look like everybody else is around? Man, don't live like that. There's a prize at stake. There's a passion needed, but it's not all on you. It's on Jesus who did it on the cross. There's a power available. This school year, what are you going to prioritize? What are you going to live for? Eternity or celery? God sent me to crease my Jordans to tell you. And you know why I don't even care about the Jordans? Because they're celery. They're going to fade away. I'd rather glorify God in them and use them to help you glorify God this year so that we're not living for something that's going to fade. God has plans for your family this school year. Tap into them, prioritize them. We're with you, we're for you. There's a prize at stake, there's a passion that's needed, but thank God there is a power available in Jesus Christ who gave his life so that you could live. And God loves you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to give you strength. He wants to give you grace, but not so that you could sit down, but so that you could get up and run. 
run like your life depends on him because I promise that it does. You know, far too many people think God is keeping things from them, when in reality, God is calling them into new blessing in their life. But it's a partnership where without God, we can't. But without our obedience, often He can't. And that's why it's important we learn to pray and press like the Apostle Paul did. Man, that's so true. Because usually when we start, our problems and difficulties seem more powerful than our press. But as we practice pressing like the Apostle Paul did, we experience God's ability to make us stronger than our problems or difficulties. And then we realize God can help us make greater progress than we ever thought was possible. Prayer is our connection with God, a time to bring forth our hurts, our worries, and our praises, a time to be in the presence of Jesus. This month, we at A Significant Life want to help lead you into a focused time with our Father. Uniting together in prayer, we pray for transformations that only the Holy Spirit can bring. When you sign up at asignificantprayerlife.com, we'll send you prayer points and sample prayers to help guide your words and deepen your prayer life. Each week, there will be a new focus. We will pray together for those in struggling marriages, in abusive marriages, and for those in relationships where one spouse may not believe in Jesus. Together, we will lift up our children, students, and youth. Across the world, we will individually pray for the cities in which we live, lifting up the leaders and decision makers. And we will pray for our countries, including our United States of America. Let's ask God for a renewal of the Holy Spirit in our churches and guidance amongst our governments and leadership. This October, we hope you'll join us for a significant prayer life. Let's unite in prayer and be part of what God is doing across the globe. Visit asignificantprayerlife.com to sign up today.